0: There are so many people like that in the world, and I hate them. I want to punch them all in the neck.
1: Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. Cecil will not be joining us this week, but having freshly woke up, I'm sure he is the vision of a spring flower, but Peter is here.
0: I'm uh, I'm a vision of something. Vision of Charles Manson? <laughs> At this point maybe. Maybe Dracula? Yeah, depending on what what version you want to you want to talk about. I I have risen though, and if you want to rise You go to adamandeve.com. Thank you for the Mm -hmm. setup. You go to adamandeve.com,
1: use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, at adamandeve.com. So tonight we were going to talk about what causes horror films to create such an effect in society and the depths, everything that comes with horror, but then we figured that was too scary so we threw something together with vampires. (laughs) I mean, we did a show a couple of years ago, vampires and how they're, they're sort of a joke and what happened to vampires, but we didn't talk about good vampire movies and there's a lot of good vampire stuff out there. Before we get into that let's look at what a vampire was when you and I were growing up because the term has been a little mangled over the years don't you
0: a little bit yeah it's it's been constantly evolving throughout the years for sure but there was a there was a prototype and I mean I was growing up more in the early to mid 90s but even at that point it was still very much the Bram Stoker Dracula people still remembered like Bella Lugosi and then the Hammer films you know around that time you had Dracula Dead and loving it, which was also very much lampooning the the whole Universal uh, Ivan those sake, your blood the the, the silly fucking uh, Dracula. At least people made it into a silly version. I, th- I think the Bella Lugosi performance in itself is actually incredibly understated and creepy. But at at that point we were kind of. Lampooning the character, but at the same time, there were some very original works beginning to come out and some had already, already come out. I think the character of Dracula and vampire in general and vampires in general were getting quite a renaissance from the mid eighties into the early nineties. And we were starting to see some, some interesting stuff.
1: Well, let's go back. You brought up Bram Stoker. Now, obviously the legend of the vampire goes back well before Bram Stoker
0: it goes back to Eastern European farmlands and animals found with with blood drained out of them. I mean, it's an actual urban legend. It's, it's actually rooted from uh Serbian folklore, believe it or not. It was from a a vampire that has my name other than my last name, but it's, a, it's a, the the first noted vampire in written history is a dude named Petar Blagovic who was uh draining who is said to be draining the blood of random farm animals in the community and also people. And I guess this was a rumor that kept going around and they started writing uh stories about it and also this story, Eventually turned into Vlad the Impaler and all this other stuff. So it's it's definitely something that goes back quite some time, like well into the I believe it was like the the late 1700s into the early 1800s. Like it, it's a story that goes back for fucking ever.
1: But what we think of for the pop culture version of the vampire all can be traced to Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, because really everything we think of as the tropes, the rules, all of that, even the cliches all go back to stoker's novel really it he, does he, he, everything he was sort of
0: based based on his including the the nosferatu silent film was originally meant to be dracula but what was it they couldn't like they couldn't acquire the rights or something
1: so they just made it anyway
0: yeah they just made it with the same basic premise of this thing that's that's undead that rises out of a out of a coffin and kills people with its fanged teeth so it's it's essentially dracula it's one of the one of the coolest uh adaptations of it i'd say that's that's an incredibly iconic image
1: if you think about it fw murnau was the asylum a century before the asylum
0: kind of yeah (laughs) they're sort of making a we can't get the rice let's just make a
1: ripoff how do you think it's changed the, the pop culture traits? Because, like, when we were growing up, we had Bela Lugosi and Christopher Lee and Franklin Gall and all that. I'm just talking Dracula right now, which, you know, is ostensibly the vampire lore in general because, yeah. you know, they all kind of stem from Dracula in some way. How, how do you think or why do you think, I should say, did that change Around the mid to late 90s, I mean, people started going like, oh, this is old hat and the whole I will bite your neck and, you know, the Hungarian accent and all that, (laughs) which actually, funny enough, the Hungarian accent was more to Bela Lugosi's. Portrayal yeah. Than anything actually in the Dracula novel, because he didn't have a thick accent. I mean, he did have an accent because he was, you know, going from Romania to England. But yeah. it was it, it wasn't like what we picture. Honestly, Bela Lugosi laid a lot of the tropes down for pop culture because that was the pop culture
0: benchmark for so long wasn't it it was that one was lampooned for many many years and obviously we got some some changes like into the 90s it's they they wanted to make dracula i guess a little more a little more edgy other than the i mean the bram stoker one i thought was uh was brilliant that was great the the um the francis, the francis ford coppola, coppola dracula oh, that, is fantastic
1: i i saw that seven times in the theater so yeah, yeah i that's, kind of that's liked a that one.
0: one i'm not so much talking about that one i think that one's still stayed with, with a lot of the, the traditional stuff. It, it really wanted to make like the classic kind of vampire movie, even though his head sort of looked like tits sometimes. That was a bit weird. Um, this, It's a really, really good movie. But I'm talking more along the lines of, we started to see stuff like, like Blade, and granted, Dracula himself didn't show up in the Blade movies until like Blade 3. He did show but up in the it, it comics seemed...
1: though, from the 70s. He yeah, he Dracula. was always like, around in the, I, the actually, comics. Actually, actually Blade was in the Tomb of Dracula comic. That's where he began.
0: Yeah, they kinda, kinda went reverse for the movies. But you started to see stuff like Dracula 2000, you started to see movies more like Blade. You started to see movies more like Queen of the Damned. Unfortunately, we ended up getting stuff like Twilight as well, and True Blood, and Vampire Diaries, and and vampires. I think had always meant we always meant to have this allure to them.
1: I know how hard this is to believe for a modern audience. Bella Lugosi was a goddamn sex symbol. He was after Dracula. I know that's hard he to believe was. because he's kind of an ugly mother. But that was a sex symbol in the 1930s.
0: I wouldn't even say he was really ugly. He was sort of more like 1950s traditionally kind of handsome. Dracula was always meant to have that charm to him, more so because he would be able to sort of manipulate you with his mind. What the, the trend I began to notice is that they were literally making vampires sexy. Like they were making them very trendy looking. They looked like dudes that could be in like gap ads. That was the, the trend I began to notice. Either that or they would, they would start spinning the genre completely up on its head with some really brilliant stuff like, like near dark. Good examples of, of what you can do with the lore, but obviously you got the bad examples like Twilight.
1: There's also vampires Especially in film, back in that, like the Hays Code, when you couldn't show nudity, you couldn't Mm. show sexuality or even sensuality. In a lot of cases, the vampires were a cipher for sexuality. Yeah, like the way he would peel back her nightgown in the original Todd Mm. Browning Dracula, he'd peel back her nightgown, and then to you know they would exchange bodily fluids and all this. These Mm. were all ciphers for sex. You know, absolutely. You you can never, you can never get away from sex when it comes. To film or any, I mean, hell. When film was invented, one of the very first things they did was sh- was film naked people. You know, <laughs> sex has always been part of this. the The vampire back then was a way to have sex without sex because you couldn't show sex on mm. film due to the Hayes Code, but you could imply it through this sort of supernatural means and i know how weird that that sounds to go back and look at 1931's dracula and go you know he's kind of raping her but (laughs) kind of is
0: well he is the villain yes villains
1: tend to rape he's brutally charismatic which is what great villains usually do
0: yes they're they are master manipulators
1: that's dracula what about the vampire in pop culture not just dracula but do you think that the vampire has become so ingrained in pop culture that anytime some movie or film or some movie or tv show or something tries to do something different with it it's inevitably got an uphill battle like vampires are so ingrained in pop culture they're regular villains on kids cartoons how many looney tunes episodes had bugs bunny or daffy duck getting the best of the vampire i mean Biggie Wiggy, <laughs> Abracadabra, personally one of the best Bugs Bunny cartoons ever, because it's hilarious, I crush you, Abracadabra, and then he just, I'm sorry, it's still funny, I'm, I'm laughing in my head right now <laughs> picturing that. that. Did that kind of take away from the vampire, since it was supposed to be scary? No,
0: I'm not really, I mean, when, when something hits uh, a level of when it becomes an icon when it becomes so ingrained into into society like with vampires and really really anything i mean it happened to godzilla it happened to king kong it happened to frankenstein's monster like everything that became popular was eventually lampooned shown up in showed up in cartoons i mean you've had that happen with freddy and jason and leatherface and michael myers and all these other characters that are that are meant to be scary and they show up in sort of kids scenarios or are parodied in sort of more comedy lampoon movies and i don't think that really takes anything away from it it just shows that it's it's made its mark when you when you get made fun of i think by, by other properties. I think you've sort of made your mark and you've definitely created a name stay as far as, uh, pop culture goes. And, and I think that opens up the, the ground, if anything, to go forth and, and do something, something different. Like a, like when you start seeing that archetype of Dracula showing up, maybe it's time to make a different kind of vampire. Maybe it's time to do Lost Boys or Near Dark or Fright Night or 30 Days of Night or The Hunger. Like, you know, you, you make a, make a different style of vampire movies because because maybe the, the the whole legosi style hammer film universal monster style is getting getting a little bit old so it, it may have given people more motivation to make something a, a little bit different which out of that we've gotten some cool vampire movies
1: well speaking of the different let's just talk about the kind of different off-brand vampires i personally don't like the movie i'm about to talk about but i like the idea of it i just think it's poorly executed and i know i'm about to commit cinematic blasphemy george romero's martin i think Martin. Is Martin is a great idea, but I just – the movie is just boring as fuck to me.
0: But it's Oh, a great it's one idea. of his earlier films, so I, I don't think he's quite – uh when did he – did he make that before or after Night of the Living Dead? That, that was after Night Before Dawn. Yeah, it was a, like a little bit after, sort of in that period of the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, I've, I've seen Martin. It's interesting. Like, it, as you said, it's a really interesting plot, but it does have severe pacing issues. And, and a lot drags. of. Um, I mean, you know, l- 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 let's just be honest. Let's not even be around drags. the bush. The whole movie drags. It does. And it has a lot of really – it was that period in the 70s where anybody could be an actor. So you've got some – and I know I'm going to sound fucking vain right now, but it's got some really, really, really unappealing looking people. <laughs> And that's, that's not even the men. That's like the women too. Like a lot of really dumpy, uh, lots, lots and lots of dad bods. Let's, let's put it at that. Lots of pasty, pasty dad bods walking around trying to pretend to be sexy. Um, and you get a lot of that. You get a lot of dragging expository dialogue sprinkled in with a couple of, of nice, uh, messed up scenes. But I, I definitely think you're, you're right on the, the pacing issues. It doesn't exactly have rewatch value. After you're done watching it, you, you kind of want to s- stick it in a sock drawer and forget about it because it was boring as shit.
1: But it's a good idea, and
0: I think that's what the vampire movie oh, needed. It was a fantastic needed. idea. I think it was it was one of the the first sort of attempts at satirizing it.
1: Well, I don't know about satirizing. But it was a non vampire movie, movie. Vampire movie. It was a vampire movie that was saying, maybe this isn't a vampire movie.
0: Which that was, that was interesting. I think that premise is worth taking another, another look at. Um, maybe even like this is the kind of movie I would like to see get remade. Something that really didn't work in execution when it was made. And maybe in the hands of another filmmaker, it could be more, more coherent. It could be not necessarily coherent. I mean, I think that was a co- coherent enough movie, but cohesive um something that, that that is paced better that feels more structured to watch i i think a movie like martin deserves a a good a good remake so you could really fully utilize that plot because it was quite interesting and we haven't really seen anything else quite like it done after or before that like it's a pretty original idea it just deserves better execution
1: but then what about i love this movie and i know you do too a lot of people shit on a movie like life force for being so ridiculous with space vampires and i'm like what is wrong with the i mean the, the, they, they get mad at it just for the idea of space vampires there's obviously they really amp up the sex angle and i'm not just talking oh about, oh well, yeah i'm not just talking
0: that that, that might be something that ruffled some feathers, too, with the the conservative critics and audiences because Matilda May is, like, naked for 90 for, – now for 100% of it. I don't think she ever puts on clothes.
1: No, uh, during the end sequence, she's got, like, a like a see-through vest on. You can still see her boobs, but she's yeah, that wearing does Yeah, that doesn't
0: count. You can still see everything. <laughs> but, no, no, I'm
1: talking about the sex angle in it outside of Matilda May's nudity.
0: Oh, it's very – it's very sexual. I mean, there, there's the bit where she's, she's possessing Patrick Stewart and her and, um. Steve Rausback, like, kiss Through Patrick Steve, Stewart. Steve Rausback make out. It's, it's, it's sexual in, in every, in every way. Even the, the male vampires are, are naked too. And they're very, like everybody's. Supermodel esque looking, or even like like statue, like very statuesque. Everybody is. um, Well, come on,
1: one of them is Mick Jagger's brother. Yeah,
0: yeah. Everything is depicted in a very sexualized way in that movie. Almost more more erotic than a lot of other vampire movies to come out um, before then and after then. And it's and it's a movie about space vampires.
1: But uh, I'm talking specifically about. There's one line after one of the scientists gets partially drained they're asking him like was it sexual and he said overwhelmingly so he, he said it was so horrifying how almost animalistically attracted he was to her he said it was horrifying how he couldn't control his sexuality around her and i think <laughs> it, especially considering aids was very new at the time that was maybe unintentional but a really interesting statement About AIDS and venereal diseases. Or am I Mm. putting way too much weight on space, on a movie about space vampires?
0: Ah, you know what? I think it deserves it. I think more, more people need to know about life force. So put it, put as much, uh, much weight on it as possible. It deserves it.
1: But then what about, even though this is a comedy, something like Once Bitten. Now, the movie Mm. lost a lot of- That's
0: the Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey one, right?
1: Now, the movie lost a lot of its subtext in rewrites, but the original script was straight out an allegory to AIDS. It was about really? venere. Yes, it was about well, maybe not AIDS specifically, but venereal disease in general. How dating in the a in the age of AIDS was changing everything. you know, she has to drain his sack. They're exchanging of fluids, infects both of them, and they have limited lifespan. The original script, the writer said, was full of this stuff that they made them take out because we're making a comedy dumbass. <laughs> but oh there was a ton of subtext in there originally. Now personally, I like once bit. I just watched yeah, it yeah
0: that's that's a charming, it's a charming little movie. I, I just
1: watched it again with my girlfriend eh, a couple of months ago in all honesty you concede the superstar in Jim Carrey in this movie oh yeah I I, I think it has one moment that I think is so funny in it
2: I can be yours Mark forever showing you joys you never dreamed possible in your most fevered adolescent slumber Mark doesn't want you because you're mean and evil he wants me because I'm nice and sweet and pure. So fuck
0: off! You get one fuck in a PG-13 and they used it brilliantly. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it since I was, uh, pretty much a kid. Me and my, me and my friend used to watch it. We, we thought it was really funny along with, uh, along with Earth Girls Are Easy. Yeah. Early, early Jim Carrey did show his, his talent pretty much, uh, pretty much right away. You, you could really see that this guy was going to become a superstar and he was, he was good in good in once bitten. That's one that I need to revisit.
1: And it, it's kind of funny. Just a side note about once bitten. The original actor that the writer wanted to cast was, not cast because the producers in their infinite wisdom taking out all the subtext said this guy can't carry movies. The original actor was Michael J. Fox and when he didn't get once bitten he did Teen Wolf. That shows oh. how great the pro- <laughs> that shows just how great the producers were at their job, huh?
0: You know what though? That's that's kind of great because when you watch, um, if you watch Once Bitten and Teen Wolf back to back, they almost they they feel like they're in the same universe. They almost they're, they're could. They're very be. much the same kind of movie. Yeah, they almost could be. So it's it's so it's a good thing that uh, that Michael J. Fox didn't get it. I mean, obviously he he would have been great in it too. I could see him in that exact same role. But he does technically kind of play it in in Teen Wolf, and it's it's nice that he got his his own version. And Teen Wolf is a fun movie too. That's another one I like. My point is like
1: the producers like this Fox guy. He can't carry a film well what do they yeah, know they right
0: know they really like what was it oj simpson isn't threatening enough to play the terminator people aren't going to be afraid of oj simpson oh time <laughs> how you've changed that although yeah, in retrospect i'm glad last... well 12 years later although in retrospect i'm glad that would have completely ruined the f-ing movie <laughs> you wouldn't be able to watch it again
1: But, okay, and then, like, you have other things, like you brought up Near Dark earlier, which I, I mean, it is it is a vampire film, but it's a very atypical vampire film, especially because Catherine Bigelow went out of her way to subvert all of the tropes you know about vampires. Remember, Hmm. this was the, and, and this is obviously unintentional based on when these movies came out, the Lost Boys came out right before Near Dark, so there's obviously no way that she was trying to make a statement about the Lost Boys, but the Lost Boys make vampires cool and they got all the leather and they got motorcycles and in near dark vampires are lives are terrible they can't yeah they're outlaws well not just that but they can't eat food they they only have a very specific number of hours that they can operate they're forced to kill they 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 can't think for themselves it's it's a pathetic life in near dark to Mm -hmm. be a vampire the lost boys
0: makes it seem kind of neat it, it does. I mean, you got, uh, Keefer Sutherland sitting around with his mullet and his trench coat eating, uh, eating Chinese noodles. Maggots.
1: Near Dark really does subvert a lot of the vampire tropes. And like I said, maybe in retrospect it has more depth, but it was basically calling out Lost Boys without meaning to considering the movies came out like two weeks apart.
0: Well, the thing is, is you do, you do bring up some good points about their lives being pretty pretty pathetic as far as not being able to digest food anymore like i know there's a scene where he the main dude eats the chocolate bar and he gets sick and you know obviously the, the limited hours and all this stuff but they were they were still i think meant to be really cool vampires i mean bill paxton's character is awesome and Henriksen's is awesome they're all great the the whole team of vampires are they're total awesome characters. Like I think some of the most iconic in in vampire film history in, in general. I love um the the character of Severn that uh, Bill Paxton plays. But yeah, I hate their lives are are shaved. <laughs> He, he had so many classic lines and he, he had a very very memorable look uh they all did while they were meant to be tragic i i think she catherine bigelow was still playing at the idea that they were cool as well that they were like these badass almost cowboy like outlaws that were drifting from uh from town to town but obviously there is still something very sad about that they obviously couldn't they couldn't plant themselves in any one place at a time because shit, if you're a vampire you're out you're out killing people and drinking their blood i mean there's only so long you We can do that in one location.
1: Near Dark, again, I don't think this was intentional. They never bring it up on the commentary or anything. So I think this might have been just something that was added later, but how the vampire, how their, how the vampire's life got more difficult as the eighties progressed. Cause think about it, law enforcement technology, they do show up on film. So security cameras, their, their lives and being able to get away with being killers was going to just keep getting harder and harder and harder as society progressed, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. That's, that's actually true.
1: And I don't think that was intended, but I just think this was a this was a very '80s take on a vampire, and that's not a
0: bad thing. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's it's easily one of the best ones. It, it might even be my favorite in terms of the vampire movie goes. I I rewatch uh, Near Dark pretty frequently, at least a few times a year. Go back to 1983 with
1: The Hunger. Now, again, I'm going to talk about AIDS. Now, AIDS did technically exist, but, you know, it wasn't part of pop culture for another year or so. The Hunger is almost accidentally a total allegory for AIDS. When you look at David Bowie's existence in that, the way he wastes away when he doesn't get with the blood, and the the, the blood exchanges, the whole disco scene, because, you know, AIDS was spread through the gay community primarily at this Mm -hmm. point, really... The Hunger is an AIDS movie. It just kind of was before AIDS. Talk, talk about being <laughs> guess, a, a little ahead
0: of the curve in a bad way. You could say they sort of, sort of predicted it in a way. They predicted that sort of that that whole nightlife aesthetic of it. It, it could also very easily be an allegory for drug use as well. You know, the withdrawals and whatnot. You, you look shittier and shittier because you're, because all you want to do is get your next fix. So it could be, it very well. Easily works as an allegory for AIDS and as an allegory for like heroin and cocaine, which also fits with the whole, you know, going to, going to clubs and staying, staying out really super late into the early morning and and looking all emaciated and skinny. This, it fits both of those. I think it it very much is um, an allegory for, for partying too hard and an allegory for, for getting, getting the AIDS. Even even though AIDS has not really become a had not become an epidemic yet, but I think it did kind of it, it predicted that that lifestyle or the the lifestyle that um AIDS sort of Started showing up in, which was, you know, a, a lot of people having unprotected sex, sharing, sharing drugs, sharing, uh, ever, everything basically and, and going out and doing what would be considerably pretty dirty sort of shit that so you could see where, where sexually transmitted diseases would be created in environments like that.
1: I'm going to bring up a movie that I, I don't really consider I don't consider the filmmakers really allegory kind of guys but I think the the vampire is very much an easy vessel to make societal allegories to like 2009's daybreakers really is an allegory about modern society how we literally are vampires to our own people. I mean, it's literally hmm. a society of vampires that was so not thinking ahead that they never thought about what happens when we actually kill all of the humans. Maybe we didn't think our cunning plan all the way through. Daybreakers is a great movie, but it also shows again, I I, I don't know if this allegory was there, but I saw it about dwindling resources, the, the government not thinking things through. Personal selfishness that, you know, all of these vampires are like, I'm going to hoard the blood for myself and you know, fuck everybody else and all this. I think mm. Daybreakers makes a lot of statements and I think the Willem Dafoe character exemplifies that, especially with plot twist at the end. He is the key by being bit. He cures vampirism and then the other vampires bite the people who are no longer vampires and it spreads the opposite direction. I think that's a great plot twist. I fucking loved the plot twist in the at the end of daybreakers, man.
0: That's a great movie overall and I can I can definitely see that that whole the whole idea of, um, you know, maybe the, the whole, maybe we're the vampires kind of thing. Now I'm just thinking about cannibal Holocaust. I wonder who the real cannibals are, but that's, that's a great one. Um, I think that's, it's a really underrated one, too. You don't hear a lot of people talking about that one, and I wish they would because it's, it's such a better vampire movie than a lot of the modern ones that we're getting. And it even has a bit of a, like, I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but it's, it looks and is kind of paced like an early 80s John Carpenter film.
1: Oh, I got a John Carpenter vibe all over that movie, especially mm-hmm. when Willem Dafoe has got the crossbow. You're like, this is the movie vampires should have been, the 1998 yes, John Because Car- vampires
0: suck but no <laughs> vampires is good it's it's good for maybe 10 minutes and then it shits itself do you know
1: why what? The first 10 minutes are the only things taken from the book i've read the book oh. by john stakeley after the hotel massacre carpenter just threw the book away and made up his own movie maybe you should have stuck to the book john yeah because when you did it was good
0: yeah i I agree he really should have and i do think daybreakers is is easily what he the type of film he could have made but i don't know maybe not maybe it's a movie he only could have made in the 80s because it felt like 80s carpenter
1: i don't want to spend too much time on this movie because at some point this year i want to do a full from dust till dawn retrospective what about like from dust till dawn i mean it it uses all of the classic vampire tropes it it doesn't really bring anything new to the vampire movie but i think what from dust Till Dawn did was gave the vampires a very western feel. And I know that mm-hmm. would be done more in from Dust Till Dawn two and three, which are very much tried to be westerns of their times. Mm-hmm. But the first film, it has a very dirty western feel to it. While still being, you know, over the top, ridiculous, Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino movie.
0: Oh, that's a that's a great one. That was one of the. That was definitely part of the the whole late nineties, early two thousands. We're gonna make vampires cool again kind of thing. And and they did. That was that was a cool movie. And it's I I love how it flipped the the genres upside on the under their heads. Like you've got it beginning as more of a of a crime film. You got these these guys out robbing people, and they they kidnap this family in an RV, and then. Everything goes south when they show up at that bar, then it turns into a completely different film. It turns into a, it turns into a horror film. It turns <laughs> into like pretty much a, a slasher vampire film once, once they hit that bar. But it always manages to hold on to sort of a, a western aesthetic. I think, I think from Dust Till Dawn, at least the first one, uh, I've seen bits and parts of the, the sequels, they, they're kind of dog shit, but the, the very first one is, I think, a, I think a classic. I think it deserves its place as a, as a classic as far as is doing something different with the vampire lore goes.
1: Well, what about, now obviously this is based on a novel, but what about something like Salem's Lot? Now this would be mm. technically TV. Toby Hooper adapted Stephen King's novel Salem's Lot into a four hour TV miniseries in 1979. There are a lot of our parents. If you ask your parents about Salem's Lot, Peter, they're gonna say, oh my god, that movie scared the hell out of me. And then, mm. then when we watch it, we're like, why? <laughs> I, I really think, I don't know, I have never met, you know, someone who would be the age of my parents who watched Salem's Lot first run in 79. They were all terrified of the movie. I saw it and went, this is almost goofy.
0: What is so scary about this? I don't even know if my folks have seen it. I'll have to bring it up next time I see them. I I do like salem's lot i think the the vampire in it looks cool pacing issues and it is a little bit goofy for something that was intended to be a tv movie it's pretty impressive especially for that time
1: well then you also have stuff like you know buffy the vampire slayer i'm just talking the the, the movie at this point like mm. buffy the vampire slayer i think it was trying to like take the piss out of vampires oh, of course it was. but it was
0: it was early it was, it was joss whedon of yeah. course it was
1: it's just not very Good. I mean, I can see what the intention of the movie was. You know, the the Vapid Valley girl being a vampire slayer. I just I don't understand. I don't understand why this is supposed to be good.
0: The movie was stupid. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about that. Even even Rudger Hauer couldn't save that one. And of course, Joss Whedon turned into a piss baby after the movie's release when it started getting bad reviews. He started blaming everybody else, which. Obviously became a reoccurring theme every time something didn't go well for Mr. Whedon, even though he had been going on about how great the movie is going and oh this is gonna be awesome, and then as soon as it gets bad reviews, he's like oh it was this person's fault, oh it was the editor's fault. Now maybe maybe it was your fault, Joss. Maybe you're not nearly um, as
1: clever as you think you are.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe that's a factor. But yeah, that I mean I had, that that's weirdly a movie I did watch a lot as a as a kid. I found it funny when I was like eleven I, honestly, or twelve. Maybe. Honestly.
1: Paul Rubens is funny in it. I, I, his death scene yeah. is fantastic.
0: It's it's got a it's got a few moments in it, but watching it as an adult, yeah, it's it's a it's a pile of shit. I I still like the the TV show, but I mean, we're not talking about the TV show. The the TV show is infinitely better than the than the movie was. I think it got it got that structure a lot better. I think it does work better as a as far as like character. Character development, I think that that's a concept that needs to be a TV show. But the movie is just—it's goofy. It feels almost in the same line as movies like Once Bitten and Teen Wolf, but it doesn't. It's how would I explain it? I feel like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie doesn't take itself seriously enough as those two do, as weird as that sounds. Like it, it lacks uh, a certain level of sincerity and a certain level of heart. Like like Joss was trying too hard to like be like, oh, there's vampires and there's chili and it's like it's like maybe if he had taken it a little more seriously, I think it would have been better. Which is what he did with the Buffy show. Like he he went with a, a little bit more of a serious approach with some dark humor sprinkled in which the movie should have been like it, it would have made you i think get get a lot more immersed into the characters rather than just making fun of everything almost every moment which uh c- can very much take you out of a movie if the movie isn't even taking itself seriously
1: but then look at something that is just the wrong time like queen of the damned from 2002 F- that movie no no no, i, I agree with that but I, I go back to the source material in the 80s it was about an 80s rock star and everything and it was about how Mm. the 80s rock star, I mean, I really don't like Anne Rice. She did actually have subtext about like rock star culture and how the media makes vampires out of people. The media is also a vampire. All that stuff is lost in the movie. If the movie had been set in 1986 it would have had a lot more relevance to the message it was trying to send. By 2002, no. no. Honestly, Queen of the Damned needs to be an eighties set movie. Setting it in modern times when it was made was a monstrous mistake.
0: Oh, it was. That it was the the culture was so different at that point. You know, you had like the the new metal and the bubblegum pop and the emo rock and all that stuff. It just it didn't it wasn't the same kind of aesthetic. Rock stars were We're changing, you know, pop punk and stuff. Was rock stars were
1: fucking rock stars in the '80s, man. It was a totally different thing. I, I I don't know why they decided to not set it in the '80s. The novel is
0: almost entrenched in the '80s. It was. It definitely was. And I think if done i think that that's a movie that would have worked if you had done it more like like something like the hunger use it as an allegory for for partying too hard and uh use it as an allegory for gaining you know addictions to to drugs and getting withdrawals and needing your next fix and stuff like that that's that's something like that would have worked a lot better whereas queen of the Damned was just one in two hour long i don't i don't know what what was in it like evanescence and all that Garbage! Like that movie is so dated and so shit. And there there are people that bring it up that are my age that are like, "Oh, I get so nostalgic for Queen of the Damned." Why? (laughs) It was it was a pile of shit then, and it's a pile of shit now. It's the people, the same people that are my there are lots of people my age that'll bring up like My Chemical Romance. Like it was, oh, it was so underrated at the time. No, it wasn't. It was one of the most overrated bands ever. It was shit, and it got so much fucking radio play. Don't even try to tell me that these things were cool at the time i mean they were the media was really pushing it down everybody's throats but i remember people lambasting queen of the dead when it came out like or queen of the damn when it came out and and bands like like my chemical romance and panic at the disco and all this fucking junk all this pop punk stuff and screamo and all this garbage and now people are pretending like they're oh i'm so so nostalgic for emo are ya? Are you really? Or are you like these trendy fuckers that are just now starting to appreciate the 80s or just now starting to appreciate things from the 90s? It's like people who are going out of their way to sort of mimic older styles that they're pretending to be nostalgic towards, whereas you have people that for their whole lives pretty much have appreciated 80s movies or 80s music and understand where all of this is coming from. There is no sense in getting nostalgic for for stuff like Queen of the Damned or stuff from the 2000s and, and shit like that. That era, I don't, I don't care what people want to say. 85% of that era was junk and i'm glad it's over. What
1: about 2003's Underworld? Now let's leave all <sighs> the, let's leave all the awful sequels out. I actually liked Underworld in 2003. Maybe because i used to play the vampire role-playing game and it's basically an adaptation of the White Wolf Vampire RPG to the mm. point where they actually sued the movie because I'm it was not. a little too close. So <laughs> maybe i'm a maybe i have a different outlook, but i thought Underworld just by itself, again, all the sequels left aside, I kind of liked Underworld.
0: I guess Underworld wasn't too bad. It, it sort of skirted the line between, like, Blade and Van Helsing. I mean, Blade was utterly superior as a film. I, I loved the sequel, too. The third one was shit. Underworld was okay, I guess. The, the, it still very much fit into that whole pop-punk, new metal aesthetic. Oh, God, that it's, it's, it's so 2003. It really, really is. It was trying to be like the Matrix, but with vampires, and everybody had black trench coats. Everything was very, very desaturated and teal and blue-looking. But it was, it was more entertaining, I guess, than Queen of the Damned. Like I didn't even really like. I think Van Helsing falls into the the same sort of category. Like even that one wasn't that bad. It's just not something I would really watch again. I don't think. Like I, I think I, I enjoyed it for what it was worth. It's, it sort of skirts. It skirts that line of, of what worked with modern vampires and what didn't just enough to be an adequately enjoyable film.
1: Well, what about like modern garbage like Dracula Untold, which, Ooh. which tried to make Dracula into an anti-hero?
0: Oof. Oof. Good lord. That was just, it's, 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 it's as if they're going back to the uh, earlier 2000s again with shit like that. It, it, feels like it, it could belong in the other than you know the, the lack of, of new metal but it oh, that movie felt very very queen of the damned very very dracula 2000 i, I don't know why they would even attempt to make a, another piece of shit like that that movie rightfully tanked at the box office i am i'm very happy that it did
1: and to think universal wanted that to kick off the dark universe jeez i mean they, need to okay. give.
0: they really need to give up on that shit.
1: okay let me put it this way for the dark universe stuff when i say that the mummy was better you screwed up the
0: well, mummy is
1: awful ex- that's my point what about like murderer john landis's innocent blood from 1992 this is another one that i think is like martin it's a great idea, but it doesn't work as a movie. The whole idea of vampires and the mob. Great idea. Mm. Wow, this is not a that good movie. That is a movie.
0: great idea. I've, I've actually never seen that one.
1: It's, it's just, it's not a good movie. It It's just a much mm. better idea than it is a movie. What about when you actually do try to take the piss out of vampires, but you play it almost straighter than you should look at like monster squad i know there are lots of other monsters Mm. in that but you know dracula is the main villain that's a kid's movie yeah and i say that in quotes because i just watched that again last month with my girlfriend that is
0: so not a kid's movie no, it, it isn't. That's that's an adult movie that happens to feature kids in it. The I, monsters in that movie are some of the, the best versions of those monsters that I think we've ever seen, per, particularly Tom Noonan's Frankenstein's Monster. Freaking great in that movie. And, and j- just think, Duncan Rieger is great as Dracula, but
1: that part almost went to Liam Neeson. Oh, man. I, I think he, he could have pulled it off, too. That was back in the time where you could make a movie aimed at kids, that killed kids, that murdered people, (laughs) that had people blown up, that had swearing. Honestly, you couldn't make Monster Squad today as a PG-13. You couldn't. No,
0: that would have to be a, a hard R for sure, unless you neutered it completely brilliant one like I I don't know how they managed to make a like so many characters got crossed over into that one film and it worked brilliantly that that's something they they don't seem to be able to do very well these days
1: technically they didn't do it well back then either because that movie bombed hard
0: unfortunately yeah but I mean if you you watch it it holds up like I, I think it's very easy to see why it's as as much of a, of a cult classic. I mean, nowadays, you, you try to make crossover movies, you gotta make like 15 different movies that's like introducing every character. Hi Marvel.
1: Okay, what about a movie that is a great vampire film, but unfortunately is seen as goofy like Blackula? Now let's leave Mm. Scream Blackula Scream out because that was a rushed, I don't want to call it a piece of crap, but it was definitely an inferior film because they just rushed the sequel out after, holy crap, this Blackula thing's working, get a sequel now. Blackula, you know, the title became a punchline by the 80s. Oh, yeah. it, it shouldn't have. Blackula is a seriously good movie. Not only do you feel for William Marshall... It, it's a genuinely scary, well-made vampire movie. Just the black exploitation mm. element, in a strange way, almost plays against the movie in this case.
0: No, Blacky is brilliant. A lot of those black exploitation movies were great. I almost I don't know, feel Blackenstein like Blackenstein
1: is not as good as you know. No, Blackenstein not as good.
0: Yeah, it was it was entertaining. Blackula is definitely a staple, though. I mean, that's one of the the ones that really worked and really, really hit a nerve. But yeah, when when you watch it, it's not really like when you when you watch it for the first time, it's not really quite what you're expecting it to be. It it ends up being, as you said, like a genuinely good horror movie. So you're right. The the black exploitation gimmick almost. Almost plays against it. I, I wonder if if they had called it something else, if they'd have come up with, some, with maybe more of a clever title, something that sounded a little more a little more original. It it could have ended up being a genuine classic in the in the vampire movie archives rather than the just something that's in the black exploitation archives because it really is on its own a, a fantastic film.
1: I think with Blackula, the fact that it became a punchline on the Tonight Show and things like that, people who have not seen it are not going to go into it with the mindset of "Hey, this might be a really good film." They're going to be like, "Let's watch one of the goofiest vampire movies ever."
0: Well, yeah, see, that's the actual problem when it comes to that stuff. Like, black exploitation cinema was never a problem. This was this was a celebration of black actors and black directors, and really giving more people an opportunity to, to make movies that were a lot more racially diverse. And then you'd have these talk shows and you'd have these critics and you'd have people that would talk about them. It's like, uh uh-huh, Dracula, this is so funny. <laughs> Look he's City like black. black people. Like, yeah, that that's what fucking undermined this shit. It wasn't the genre itself. It was the people that would talk about it like it was goofy crap. And everybody has a, had a role to play in that. Even The Simpsons did. Even they made fun of that shit. So that's a lot more of, of, of something that you could attribute to those movies being considered silly. Because so many movies in the exploitation genre are great. Like they're genuinely great films. That genre is looked at as a stain because of people that are like making fun of it. That are like going on to talk shows and and talking about it and lampooning it the the way that they are instead of actually celebrating it as a genre and considering it a real thing that's where the racial bias comes from it's not the genre itself and not to i i hate getting political about this shit, but that's an example to make of, of anybody who is talking down on exploitation, you're doing the same shit they were doing in the 80s instead of actually celebrating the genre for what it is and giving some of these movies a chance instead of just talking about them secondhand.
1: Like with Blackula, you have 1995's Vampire in Brooklyn, which basically purported itself to be, we're going to do Blackula, but we're going to do it serious. And- <laughs> that movie it- sucked. Yeah, exactly. Vampire in Brooklyn was terrible. In a way, I can kind of see how they were like, "We're gonna update the Blackula aesthetic, but we're not gonna take, you know, use the black exploitation element." Sorry, guys. Blackula's a
0: way better movie. Their their first. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to take anything away from Eddie Murphy. I mean, that was the earlier 90s, that was when he was still great. I don't think he was right for that film. Neither do I, but w- what about when you just say, you know what, we're just gonna be ridiculous.
1: Have you ever seen Dracula 3000? Dracula 3? I've seen Dracula 2000. Dracula three thousand is the one with Udo Kier and uh the chick from Baywatch and Coolio as a pot smoking vampire in space, and they're they're in the Nosferatu galaxy.
0: Oh dear god, no, I haven't seen that.
1: Oh, you oh god. Okay. <laughs> then I'm almost like sorry good? I brought it is up it to you. Good
0: stupid or bad stupid?
1: I found it to be pretty painful, honestly. <laughs> it, it's trying way too hard to be clever, and it's oh. not
0: it's one of those. Well, it sounds like it it's at least better than fucking vampires suck.
1: I'm not even talking about parody stuff, you know. Mm. But then the the other one that really started the sexy vampire thing in the 90s was Interview with a Vampire. And again, I'm not an Anne Rice fan. The source material was better than what was on film. Cuz in all honesty, if they if they had spent more time with the Christian Slater character, kind of coming to the realization that oh my god, this thing is real. Vampires mm. are real and not so much of this,
0: oh, I've lost my love in the past. Oh god. God. <laughs> I actually, I didn't mind Interview with a Vampire. I thought those were some really great early performances from, uh, well not, not so much an early performance from Tom Cruise. He had already been acting for a while, but Brad Pitt. Uh, I, didn't like I liked Interview it. With I, I liked that movie. I, I thought it was, it was well made. I'm going
1: to ruffle a lot of feathers here. While I don't have anything against the original Fright Night, I'm one of the few people that likes Fright Night 2 better. That
0: was good. This is a solid sequel. Yeah, you're not
1: going to find a lot of people that agree with you, Pete.
0: Oh, it's just people that are that are toting the general opinion, like, "Oh, the first one was so much better." Like, there are so many people like that in the world, and I hate them. I want to punch them all in the neck. Like, they're they're just toting the the general opinion that the first movie is always better. And I think a a lot of these people haven't even seen the second one, to be honest. Like, because it is a solid follow-up to the first film.
1: The last one I want to talk about is going all the way back to the beginning with Nosferatu, Mm. 2000's Shadow of the Vampire. Which I think is a brilliant twist on the what if F.W. Murnau didn't make so much of a film as he made a biography. That what if Max Mm. Schreck, actually was a vampire and (laughs) F.W. Murnau was just putting him on film I think Shadow of the Vampire it's a brilliant film I'm gonna say it I know it's an art more of an artsy film and it's definitely more artsy fartsy in the way it's it's laid out but Shadow of the Vampire is one of the most brilliant twists on the vampire genre literally in the vampire genre because it's all about the making of Nosferatu obviously fictionalized
0: Shadow of the Vampire needs to be seen more no it's a brilliant film I I don't think um there's nothing wrong with something being artsy artsy-fartsy as long as it's done well. I mean, there's, there's artsy-fartsy like Shadow of the Vampire, and then there's artsy-fartsy like Terence Malick. Uh, there's, there's a big difference, but Shadow of the Vampire is, is a brilliant idea of where, where you have this iconic thing, and it's like, what if it was actually a documentary? What if this looked too good for its time, and this fker was actually a vampire? That's a movie I, I loved when it came out. I've watched it several times since, and I've been wanting to sort of not necessarily rediscover it. I remember a, a lot about it, and I remember loving it, but it's it's one that I I really want to watch again because I, I don't think my I don't think my girlfriend has seen it, so I want to. Introduce it to her because it's so good. It's 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 brilliant satire. It still sort of works as a horror film. It works as a drama. It's incredibly well directed. It looks great. Maybe one of Willem Dafoe's best performances ever in his whole career. That's that's a great one. Anyone that hasn't seen that one, you gotta you gotta get on that shit. You gotta get your shit together.
1: And then I also want to mention two other ones that I think are good ideas, but I don't necessarily think are great films. Would be mm. Let the Right One In, the original. I'm not a fan of the American remake, but the original Let the mm. Right One In, good idea, but I just I didn't like it as a film. And Thirty Days of Night, which I read the comic. The idea of the whole going to Barrow, Alaska for the Thirty Days of Night isn't even that original. The Twilight Zone did an episode on it in 1985 called Red Red mm. Snow. So it's not really that original, but I think to the mainstream 30 Days of Night was probably a very original take on vampires. The, mm. the thing I really liked about it is it said we're getting rid of all this sexy crap. They're brutal, <laughs> pathetic creatures again.
0: Yes. I think that's, uh, that's what makes 30 Days a Night so great. And let the right one in. Um, well, the original, I, I love, uh, the remake, not so much. Is uh, it the was remake a very, like let me
1: in or something like that. Didn't they change the title slightly? Yeah. Know, the, there's
0: but... a, there's a slight, slight change. And of course it's, it's your typical America, North America wash Hollywood remake of, of something that was originally very brilliant. Like the same example can be said for the Korean old boy and the American old boy. The American old boy is garbage i don't
1: even consider the american old boy a movie
0: no no that was shit. it was um, It was i, Spike I, Lee, I, can, I can't even was... believe that i actually subjected myself to that but 30 days a night i really like i like the like the aesthetic of it it was it's one of the last it wasn't josh hartnett was in that one wasn't he it was one of the last times we actually saw him in a movie what happened to that guy
1: the thing that bothered me about 30 days of night was in the comics The sequel, Dark Days, I actually think was better than 30 Days of Night. Because 30 Days of Night, the movie, didn't do so hot at the box office, when they made Dark Days, it was a direct-to-video film. Mm. Man, they needed a theatrical budget to do Dark Days, the comic. I remember the direct-to-video, 30 Days of Night, Dark Days, was just so underwhelming.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember them. They're both good. The the sequel the sequel and the first movie both had really good ideas. With the sequel it was more just the ideas. But I really love the the first uh thirty days of night. I, I think it was great that they decided to make the the vampires brutal again. They decided to make them actually scary, actual savages. It's it's not it's not something that you, you see a lot in the genre too much as well to begin with. I mean, other than with like the very first uh Nosferatu kind of stuff where the vampire was actually and then, you know, he became more of a sex symbol with the universal stuff, the hammer stuff, and then for years and years and years, Dracula and vampires were boys, and then they were kind of cool outlaws and killers for a bit, and then they were sexy again, and can blah, 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 and then finally we got something like 30 Days of Night again, which made them a little more gnarly, if, if only that had stayed a little bit longer, but it, at least we got it.
1: So do you think the vampire, no pun intended, is dead in pop culture? Do, do you think because vampires are kids' cartoons, you know, you, you see plushy toys, it, toys are us for vampires, and all this, Did like you said, they're kind of boys and you know especially on television do you think the vampire can ever reclaim its place as an actual horror icon again yes you're gonna have a movie here and there but i mean in the main main thrust of pop culture
0: um as as a genuinely feared icon when it comes to stuff coming out contemporarily i i don't think so i mean there are opportunities to do it i've I've, i'm hearing that there's going to be another blade though i don't know how that's going to be handled there are, there are movies that come out that are interesting, that have interesting elements. Um, it seems more like it's, it's played a little more for laughs, though. Like, I really enjoyed what we do in the shadows but it didn't exactly help this whole idea that vampires are kind of silly now like i I thought it was a really good movie and really funny but that's that also kind of works against it is that it's it's vampires and it's funny i it's gonna take a lot to make uh vampires scary again i mean we we still have the original movies where they were you still have the original content where they were definitely terrifying but what's coming out now with stuff like dracula untold and what we do in the shadows and, and movies like this it's a little it's hard it's difficult to make them scary again I mean there's some there's some stuff in the in the Indies. That are coming out that are a little more a little more creepy. Like um, a girl walks. I think it's a girl walks home a girl walks alone A girl that's, that's walks alone. That's a good alone. one. That one has um, I watched that one um a few years back. It almost has a, a sort of silent silent film sort of vibe to it, and I really enjoyed that one a lot. But you're you're not going to be seeing stuff like that in the mainstream. Like you're you're going to be seeing the good vampire vampire stuff coming out more in the indies because the way the mainstream looks at vampires is it's either going to be the handsome hunky anti-hero or it's going to be played for shits and gigs. So the only time you're going to see like a genuine vampire movie is with with something like that 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 comes out more more independently and very much under the radar and you really have to appreciate it more as a as a cinephile and not as somebody who just goes to the the movies on a Saturday uh to watch whatever new mainstream hunky actor is trying their hand at Dracula or the flight of the Concord's guys making fun of different vampire tropes.
1: Would you say that we as a society have drained the vampire of all of its life energy and left it as nothing but a useless
0: husk? Multimedia definitely has, as far as like film and and TV have really drained it almost to not being effective at all. And it seems like the only thing it can be to the general populace is either funny or hot with an H-A-W-T. Who are the real vampires? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out who the real cannibals are. So where can we
1: find Peter liking some vampire films but really hating the hot guys or really loving them secretly? We don't know.
0: Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to deny that they're hot. <laughs> like, absolutely not. Uh, you can find me liking and giving a chance to uh, a good majority of vampire movies because I, I do like it as a genre. On uh, At Cinematica on Twitter, at Facebook, uh, Cinemasticus, YouTube, The Cinematicus. Masac- Patreon, Zinematica, 1201, beyondcom I've got some merch. I've got some videos coming out. Subscribe to my my Patreon if you can. Any dollar you can throw my way is, is very very helpful. I'm trying to trying to use Patreon again. I kind of failed at it the first time. I don't think I knew how to use it. I think I know this time. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Give, give me money. Money, money, money makes me, makes me happy.
1: I have a Peatron as well over, you know, Peatron Radiodrome, but- Is it Peatron
0: call... or Patreon? How the hell it's, do you it's, pronounce it's it? It's,
1: Patreon. I pronounce it Payatron cause it sounds like a transformer that way. You know, you could, <laughs> uh, you, could, uh, you, could you, you know, you could see one of Megatron's Legion being Peatron. <laughs> You can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.